This has been a tough week in the United States once again, right? 29 people murdered senselessly, overwhelmingly, and, um, and, and I, think it, I think we need to respond in a way that we love well because that's kind of our, our mantra here. And so what we've set up is that if you want to give to victims and their families of both the El Paso shooting and the Dayton, Ohio shooting, um, you can give through our PushPay. Um, just go to PushPay through our website, crosswalkvillage.com slash giving. Go through PushPay and pick disaster response. And everything that comes in for this next week will go directly. We're working with, I believe it's an organization called Public Good, which will be distributing that money to both victims in El Paso and their families, as well as Dayton, Ohio. But, but before we... St- before we move on and before we jump into this incredible book of wisdom that we find specifically in chapter two, I, I think we need to address something. We need to address the fact of how not just broken this world is, but how divided this world is. We're moving into an election season where there's going to be half of you who are going to be interpreting the things that I say in a certain way and another half that are interpreting it in a completely different way. Um, it's difficult. It was difficult a few years ago. It's going to be difficult again because America has not become more divided. And things like this just ratchet up the, the conversation. And so what I, we need this place to be. We need this place to be a place where we come together, regardless of political ideology, and we seek the wisdom of Christ in the midst of that. And we do it together, even though we don't always agree. We do it together and see what Scripture has to say. And what I know Scripture says is that not only is there a presence of God in times of incredible strife and incredible chaos, but there's also a response that has to come from the people of God. It means that we have to learn how to love better. We have to learn how to love harder. We have to learn how to love well. And I think love is something that can transcend your political ideology. Um, but, but I understand it's difficult, and I understand over the next few months, we're going to struggle with what Scripture says and with what's happening in the world. I want this place to be a place, a safe haven to say what Scripture says. So I want you to think about that as you come into this place and ask the Holy Spirit to guide your heart, to guide your hearing, to guide your, um, your ability to be actionable on the love that he's calling you towards. Because what happened again this week is an overwhelming tragedy, and it's frightening to think that this is becoming commonplace for us. It means that the world is broken, and it means that we have to respond in very tangible ways. So this time, it's financing if we can. It's, it's money that we can give. Next time, it might be closer to home, and those responses may be more tangible and may take up our time. But this is the reality of the world that we live in, and we have to seek God in the midst of it. And again, I know that these can be highly, highly charged conversations. My commitment to you is to be as scriptural as I can in in my own understanding of scripture and give that to you in what I hope is an unbiased fashion. If you are hearing things only one certain way, I I hope that you are going to ask the Holy Spirit that he open your heart to the wisdom that's coming through these books and through the study that we do. I I hope that you'll do that and you'll give the grace to me and, and to each other in this room to do that and still commit to fellowshipping together even if you hear things that you don't necessarily agree with. And I'm not talking about one side or the other side. I'm talking about everyone 
Because we are first and foremost in this world Christians if we've accepted Jesus as our Father. And, and that means that we have to come together and we have to learn how to live together and we have to learn how to love together and love well together. And we have to have the courage to do that because the only way this world gets fixed, the only way this world heals, the only way this world gets filled with compassion is through you and me doing it better than it's been done before. And so we're going to have to commit to that over the next few months and forever until Jesus shows up. This is who we are, right? And listen, I want Jesus to come today. Like, I am cool if I don't finish my sermon. The ending's not that great anyway. Um, no, I'm, I'm fine with him coming before the end of this sermon. But if he doesn't come, then we have to love. Then we have to be, you know, open eyes and open ears and open hearts to those who are broken and breaking. And we also have to be the ones who stand in the way of rhetoric that builds hate in this world because words matter. And we have to stand in the way, and we have to shield those that need shielding, okay? So we're going to have to commit to that together. And I hope you, I hope you hear that in the spirit that it's given. Because, because I got kids. You got kids. I don't want to be scared every time they walk out the door. I don't want to be scared every time people come together thinking that they might not make it home. And the only way that we can, can know that that's not going to happen is if we can get ahead in love and not be chasing up all the time, not be trying to catch up. So let's pray as we begin before we start this. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, give us wisdom. That's why we're studying this book, but give us wisdom that goes beyond even our understanding sometimes. Give us courage, Lord. Give us grace towards one another. Lord, give us, give us conversation, not confrontation. And Lord, Teach us to love well, exactly when we need to. Let us listen to the Holy Spirit and stand in the way when we need to be the ones who do that. In your name I pray, amen, amen. What I love about chapter two is that it does. It opens the door to every single one of us because it starts in such a good way. And what, what's gonna happen is that God is gonna tell us how to get closer to him and how to follow in his way a little bit more than we have before. He's gonna be very clear on that. Last week we talked about those with complacency who can say to God, hey, I'm good, I don't really need your wisdom. But this week we talk about what it feels like to change. This passage, passage kind of explains the psychology of change, which is the opposite of complacency, and it's broken up into two different sections. One section is that you can be renewed in God, and that's really, um, that's really the first 11 verses, that you can be renewed in God, and he's got something for you. But then the second part talks about how you can be protected from this world and from some of the pitfalls and some of the traps that are in this world. Verses 1 through 11 really talks about getting real with God and how God will get real with you, and then change will occur. And this is the theme. And you know these conversations, right? You've had these conversations. You sit down, you sit down to dinner with somebody that you know you just started dating, and you order up your salads, and, and he or she goes, so where is this going? You know that conversation, right? So where is this thing going? And, you know, I always thought, dessert, like that's where we're going to get to. I'd like to get through that. And they're like, where is, this, where is this going? What's going on with this relationship? Well, this is kind of God asking the same thing. God's saying, listen, are, you, are we getting real here or not? And he starts it like this. He says, my child, which is always good when he says my child, because it means that you've already been accepted, that you've already been brought into the kingdom of God. You've already been brought into the family. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands, right? You got ears? Use them. You got eyes? Use them. 
Then it says, tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Like, you need to focus on this. You need to pay attention. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Now, what I want you to understand is this, and you can't hear this in this particular translation, in the New Living Translation, but in some of the other translations, it says, if you search for them as you would for silver, if you seek them like hidden treasures, if you listen to what I say, if you turn your ears to wisdom, if you, if you, if you, and then it says, then you will understand. Right? The then is the answer to the if statements, those dependent clauses, if you will. If you then, and it starts in Proverbs 2, 5, it says, then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. Right? Then you will understand. So he's been saying if, 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 then. Now, it's really easy to think about an if and then situation as being very legalistic. Right? Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain the knowledge of God. It's easy for us to think about that as legalism. And you can put that slide up there if you want. 2 verse 5. Um, if, if, these if-then statements have a tendency to make you feel like there's legalism involved because if I do this, then God has to do that. That is not what's going on here. What's going on is, well, let me read the next text and then I'll tell you what it is. It says, for the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. While it sounds like it could be legalism because if I do this, then God has to do that. It's not that. It's a practical cause and effect. If you are seeking wisdom, you know what? You'll find it. If you are seeking knowledge, you know what? You'll find it. Why? Not because God has decided because he is somehow, he's somehow dependent on you doing that. You will find it because it's available, because God is there. It's pretty simple. If you look, you'll see it. You'll have the wisdom. You'll have the peace. You'll have the knowledge, and you'll have the understanding. Why? Because you're paying attention. He grants, it says in verse 7, he grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He's a shield to those who walk with integrity. Are you paying attention? This is not conditional. It's available. But we have to pay attention to what God is teaching us. And if we pay attention, we understand that he guards the path of the just and he protects those who are faithful to him. Again, this is not supposed to be necessarily supernatural. This is common sense. It is available because God is available. When we are walking in righteousness, we're paying attention to God's presence. And then what will happen? Then you'll understand what is right, what is just, what is fair. And you will find the right way to go. And remember, this is available to us because We've already been called sons and daughters of God. Verse 1 said, my child, so you're already accepted. So why wouldn't you pick up what God left for you if you're accepted and you're paying attention? That's all you have to do, right? We've, we just need the wisdom and the reward for that wisdom that has been given, but we got to pay attention to the process, right? And the process is important because a process has been outlined in these texts. What is it? If you pay attention, then you'll understand. Right? If you pay attention, then you'll understand. God has left these pearls of wisdom and righteousness everywhere. Are you watching for them? When I was growing up in Israel and my dad was in an archaeological dig, we'd walk in the sand dunes. You've heard me say this before. And we'd look down and we'd find pottery. We'd find coins. But we couldn't pick up what we weren't looking for. So all we had to do was look down and pay attention. And it was there. And this is what God is saying right? But what we want is we want God to always knock us off our horse. And God doesn't always knock us off our horse. Some of you are thinking, I, I don't ride a horse. 
I'm referencing, obviously, I'm referencing the conversion of Saul, Paul, right? He's, he's going to Damascus. God knocks him off his horse, slaps him around a little bit, says, Paul, why, or Saul at that point, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, what are you talking about? We want that. We want to be knocked off our horse because that'll help us pay attention. But for most of us, it's not going to be that. For most of us, it is going to be a long obedience in the direction of righteousness. It is going to be this commitment to picking up the pearls of wisdom that God has left for us. It is a journey of paying attention. But listen, I'd rather be knocked off my horse. That would be way easier. But that's the exception, not the rule. You see, pay attention, then you'll understand. Once you understand, you'll know. But listen, knowing is a verb, right? Actively knowing something calls us to action. Knowledge can be stasis, right? Knowledge can just hold you in one place. But knowing is a verb. And that means you've got to act upon it. Because once you know, you act. Understanding and knowing lead to action if you're serious about them. If you are looking for truth just to be right, well, that's just head knowledge and it's no good to anybody. But if you are pursuing truth to be righteous, it has to be put into action in your life. And by the way, once you act, that's when the change really starts to happen, right? Once you're starting to move and you're starting to figure it out, that's when the change actually starts to become real. Sometimes we walk in the direction we've been given and then the change comes. It's called obedience, It's not always supernatural. In fact, most of the time, and for most of us, it's not. It's the hard work of pursuing righteousness. You know what we say here at this church? We say ministry happens by millimeters, not miles. Sometimes God will pick you up and move you around, but most of the time, you just take one faithful step after the other faithful step, and change occurs in that process. What will happen? It says this in verse 10, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy, which by the way are the byproducts of knowing. Joy, peace. These are not just good things, but they're key ingredients for becoming productive in the kingdom. Because if you're constantly worried about what you're doing, if you're constantly worried about if you're all right or not, your world becomes very myopically focused on yourself. But once you Lean into the wisdom of God. Once you begin to follow along that path, the whole world opens up and you become very productive for the kingdom. And what will happen? Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Right? I love that. Wise choices will watch over you like there's some ethereal thing. Nah, it's you making wise choices and making it a habit. You'll see the snares that we talked about in chapter one. You'll see those snares coming and you'll go, ah, oh, not me, not today, not today, Satan. And God is not saying he's going to love you more through this. He's saying that if you seek them, seek him, he's there to be found. He's been there the whole time. These things are accessible to everyone because they are in him and he is accessible. And then in verse 12, it begins to talk about what you need to be saved from a little bit, and how wisdom will save you from something. So it starts like this. It says, wisdom will save you from evil people, from those whose words are twisted. Now, this is important because words matter. What comes out of your mouth matters. And as you increase in influence in your life, and I don't care if it's um, you, you gain a family and you begin to have influence over your kids, or you, you, get, you get, you know, promotions in your work and you become to have more people that you're responsible for and to, of course, that goes along with it. Or if you are given, 
any influence, as it grows, your words become that much more important right? And don't be fooled by the internet that you can put them out there and they don't matter. They matter and people are listening. And every parent knows this because every parent has said something and then heard their eight-year-old say it and then have been deeply embarrassed that their 18, eight-month-old said, what, not a month, who, eight month year, do they talk? I don't think they, they don't talk, right? No, I don't think so. Eight-year-old, eight-year-old, I listen, my daughter's almost 18 and when she says stuff that I say, sometimes I'm like, don't, you shouldn't. Oh, that's right. Words of influence, and this is important because these words are twisted, right? And this is really talking about discernment, right? So let's spend a little time talking about discernment. What does discernment mean? Discernment means that you can listen to something and you can hear what is right and what is wrong. Discernment is the ability to judge well, to judge what is good and what is bad. And we don't all have great discernment. In fact, sometimes I don't have the greatest discernment. I can remember a time we were buying a vehicle. We were buying, we were buying a minivan, right? We, we went from one child to two, and it was like, my wife's like, now, we have to buy the minivan now. And I'm a man, and so I did not want a minivan. Now, I've had a minivan now for like 17 years. I love myself some minivan. Like, they're awesome. But that day was not a good day for me. I was struggling because I was like, no, let's get a big, huge SUV. And my wife's like, no, because I want the doors that slide. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. And then the next day, I was like, that matters so much. But we were trying to buy this vehicle. And this guy comes, and he's, you know, he's a, he's a salesman. So if you're a car salesman, I apologize. And I'm assuming that you're not like him because you go to church, and you'll be judged by God. All right, I don't know if this guy went to church, but he, like, I don't know what was, so he, you know, they do the thing, you get all the financing, and they always ask that question, right? They're always like, how much you want to pay each month? And I, I, like, that's a fine question to me. I'm like, not a lot, right? And my wife's like, no, how much is the car? And the guy's like, well, how much do you want to pay each month? And my wife's like, no, I want to pay, uh, like, I want the price for the car. And so he's like, let me check with my manager, which we all know is, I'm going to go drink a cup of coffee and make you sweat. Right? So he goes and he talks to his manager and he comes back and he puts down the, he puts down the paperwork, which has our name on it. And, he, and my wife's reading it and I'm like, it looks good, that looks good. Like I figure I'm giving away my life anyway, my manlyhood, all my testosterone's gone, I got a minivan. Like that's, it wasn't great, but that's what I was thinking, right? And my wife, and my wife does something which, is, which was phenomenal. She, she did math. She just did the math on how much those payments, and she's like, you're trying to sell this car to us for $10,000 more than it says on the window. And he goes, what? It was, he was a good actor. He's like, what? What are you talking about? And she's like, yeah, that's how much that is. See? You can see? Math. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. This isn't even for your car. Twisted words right? You have to be able to discern from them. And discernment is a process, right? You learn to discern. So let me give you another illustration. Um, obviously, we like coffee here at this church. We, that's kind of one of the things we do. And there is a discernment that is involved in coffee, right? Because you start drinking coffee and you think, that's horrible. And then you look around and think, but I'm supposed to drink it because I'm an adult now. So you like suffer through it. And you know how you start? You start by putting like way too much sugar in it and way too much cream. Um, my son is on that journey right now. I'm like, why are you, don't even drink coffee. Just drink milk half and half with, cream, with, with sugar in it is what it seems like. Anyway, um, and that's, it's not a requisite, like it's not a prerequisite to be part of my family to drink coffee, just so you know. Like I'm not forcing him. Um, 
Anyway, you, and then you begin, to, like your palate begins to become more refined, right? And you know, you get like, you get like kind of snobby about it. The first time you go to a real coffee shop where they make like the coffee really well, and you're like, oh, well, that's new. Because normally you're drinking Denny's coffee, and you're just like, oh. But now you're out of college and have a dollar or two in your pocket, and you're like, oh, well, that's quite good. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's Costa Rican. And you're like, oh, I can smell the acai berry in it. <laughs> right? So, and you know we do that, right? Like, mm, caramely, that one's good. This one's chocolatey. This one's citrusy. Yeah, whatever. Um, so, so. You, you know, you, you begin to discern, right? But I was hanging out at a buddy of mine's house out in Chattanooga, and he's a roaster as well as he owns, like, some pieces of a couple different coffee shops. And so, um, so I was like, man, how do you, like, discernment? Tell me about that. And he goes, oh, I cheat. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, 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 I cheat. And so he showed me this, and I took a picture of it because it, it helps me as well. He's like, this is what coffee's supposed to taste like. And so I, some of you are, like, taking pictures immediately, like, oh, now I can make, act like I know what I'm talking about. So anyway, he puts this out, and every once in a while, they'll ask me to, like, can you, can you check the espresso blend to make sure it's okay? And I'm like, yeah. And I pull up my phone. And I start drinking, and I'm like, oh, no, it's under because it's sour which is lacking sweet, which seems like the same thing. They're not, right? It's salty with a quick finish. Or I'll taste it and I'll say, oh, no, 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 it's over. It's bitter, which is different than sour. I hope you know the difference. I don't, I don't know that I do, but I say that I do. It's bitter. It's on different parts of your tongues, I, I guess. Um, it's dry. It's astringent. It's hollow. <laughs> it's hollow. What? What does that mean? It's hollow. It's empty. So if you drink coffee and you feel empty inside, I don't know if it works that way. It's not like philosophically hollow or empty. Or, or if it's right, it's sweet. It's ripe. It's transparent. It's, it's transparent. It's, it has a complex acidity. The finish is just right. Right? This is discernment when it comes to coffee. It's a little silly, but it's true. And you can begin to taste that a little bit. Now, let's be clear. I know what good coffee is and what good coffee is not. I have discernment. Some days, I'm still going to drink the Denny's. Like some days, even though it's bad, I'm going to be like, oh, coffee. Discernment is the ability to know the difference between right and wrong. But wisdom is the ability to choose the right one. Ooh. I haven't said that right all day. I was waiting for that response. I was waiting for the, ah. Uh, and every time I said it wrong, and there was like, what? <laughs> so thank you. Like, that really affirmed me today. I feel like the rest of the day is going to be much better. Right? Um, discernment is that, a, uh, wisdom is that ability to choose from right and wrong. Right? And these men, these men, it says in Proverbs 12, 231, these men turn, away, turn from the right way. They walk down dark paths. Right? So to turn from the right path, you've got to know what's right and wrong. Discernment can be learned, but it can be rejected or ignored. That's wisdom. So they take pleasure in doing wrong. So these guys actually like doing wrong, and they enjoy the twisted ways of evil. Remember twisted words and twisted ways? So they know what is right, and they know what is wrong, but they've chosen the wrong, and they like it. Their actions are crooked, says Scripture, and their ways are simply wrong. Now, these are the people that 
you should really think twice about hanging out with. And we all know the person in our life who, who is choosing wrong purposefully. And that's different than falling or failing at times, right? That is different. Someone who is willfully choosing wrong again and again is somebody you need to watch out for. But then it says, listen, wisdom will save you not only from that, but from the immoral woman as well, from the seductive words of the promiscuous woman. Now, I want you to see the parallel there, the twisted words and the seductive words. Words matter. And you need to remember that. Words matter because they make people make decisions at time. Men have twisted words. These women have seductive words. And listen, seductive words can really get us into problems. My wife one time came back, and she bought me a pair of Lululemon shorts, right? I don't know if you know what Lululemon is, but it's stupid, it's stupid expensive, right? And she brings them to me, and she's like, here you go. And I was like, oh, thank you. Those are kind of expensive. And she's like, yeah, but I think they'll look really good on you. So I put them on. And she goes, huh. And I was like, what? And she's like, they don't look as good as you as the guy who sold them to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes salespeople do that, don't they? Seductive words. You look really good in that. You got to remember that if somebody's telling you you look really good in something and they, you know, the result of you buying it will be more money in their pocket, careful. They might not be telling you the truth. Right? So these are seductive words that this promiscuous woman is saying. Right? She's abandoned her husband. Oh, so she has a husband. She's made a covenant in front of God, and she knows what's right, but she's choosing what's wrong. And then the Bible is real clear. Listen, entering into her house leads to death. It is the road to the grave. Like, these are pretty dire consequences. And, and at first blush, like, okay, we're talking about there's no, there's no such thing as a one-night stand, right? There's always attachment involved in that. That's really bad for us to do. But it's more than that. Let's get down to the heart of it. She is using words in the same way. And if we don't have discernment to understand the twisted words or the seductive words, if we are not careful with our words, we can get into real trouble, and Scripture says, listen, the man who visits her is doomed. He will never reach the paths of life. And that should be clear enough, right? Relational sin can be incredibly damaging. So, so if, you, if, you, if you find yourself constantly talking to someone else about your spouse, you need to know that you're getting on dangerous ground, right? Because you're using your words to separate yourself from that person. And the other person will receive those words and not understand that you're twisting words, even though you might not be meaning to. Don't give up your spouse to another group of people or to another person because that means that you're beginning to step away. So if you're doing that, check yourself. Watch out, right? And by the way, it doesn't just have to be somebody of the opposite sex. If you're talking to your friends and constantly tearing down your spouse in the other direction as well, it can lead to a break as well. You made, a, you made a commitment to that person. So that's the person you need to be talking to. And if you need help because you've got something going on in your life, go get help. That's okay. But don't constantly talk to other people and twist words about this person. Because you know what happens, right? If you constantly complain about your husband or you constantly complain about your wife, pretty soon the people around you don't think you should stay together. So when you need the strength of the community to hold your relationship together, they're all going to give you the advice of, well, you should go. That's clearly a horrible person because that's all you've said. And you know that's not true. People aren't horrible all the time, most of us. Sometimes we do stupid things. That's okay. If we, if we question the intent of the other person, that's when things start to get really bad. But then Scripture just 
turns a corner here, and it just gives you some really common sense advice. That's what I love about Proverbs. You read Proverbs, I feel like at the end of almost every chapter, you should go, duh. Right? He says this, follow the steps of good men instead. Right? And stay on the paths of the righteous. So, Because there's wisdom, right? Follow the steps of those who have gone before you who are wise already. And you know those people in your life. You have people who have incredible wisdom in your life. They are gifts from God. And God has been laying out wisdom for you too. Whether it's in scripture or whether it's the community or whether it's your friends or whether it's your family, God has given you enough wisdom to stay on the paths of the righteous. And then he says this, listen, there's a result to it. And the result is this, for the godly will live in the land and those with integrity will remain in it. And by the way, integrity, integrity grounds us to a place See, because what happens, and I've seen this in church a bunch of times, someone who goes the wrong direction with a group of friends or somebody who, who gets in an affair with somebody else, they end up having to leave the community. Why? Because they're embarrassed. Oftentimes they will blame it on the community, saying the community is judging them. Sometimes the community doesn't even know what's going on, but they are now embarrassed because they have not lived righteously. They have not sought wisdom, and so they leave. And what God is saying here is if you make good decisions, if you listen to wisdom, you don't have to go and anywhere because there's nothing to be embarrassed about. There's nothing that you have to walk around hoping, you know, hoping that you're not shamed for because you followed the paths of the righteous and you can stay in the land as much as you can. And by the way, this idea of staying in the land, it's this idea of abiding, right? It's the Old Testament code to, to you get to grow where you're planted. You don't have to be uprooted because, because Right now, God is continuing to grow you in wisdom. And in the end, it says, but the wicked will be removed from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted. You will be taken away. So there's one simple question today. It's this, in whose steps are you following? Are you listening to the twisted words and going down crooked ways? Are you listening to the seductive words and going to the grave? Or are you looking around and going, that person is making really good decisions. I want to get to know that person. That person, as they retire, man, I'd like to live, I'd like my career to look like theirs. I wonder if I could take them out to coffee and just glean some wisdom from them for a little bit. I wonder if, I wonder if you know, my parents who, may, you know, who stayed together for, for 50 years or 60 years or 70 years, I wonder if they've got any advice for me in my new marriage. Or they raised me pretty well. I wonder if they can help me raise my kids because, you know, they don't come with instruction manuals. And all of these things are what God has placed in the path of the righteous so that they might pick up wisdom and they may grow. And remember, that growth and wisdom is going to be by millimeters. It's not going to be by miles for the most of us. And our movement towards righteousness is a, is a long obedience in the right direction. And if, if we're not paying attention, we won't get it. We will constantly find ourselves in the same loop, making the same poor choices, making the same bad decisions, and, and leading us towards death exhausted because we never learned to discern and then we never learned wisdom in that discernment. God lays it out pretty simple. Listen, there's a way of destruction and there's a way of righteousness. I can show you the way. Are you willing to follow me. So in whose steps today are you following? Let's pray. 
Lord of wisdom, Lord of grace. Thank you for your compassion towards us. Thank you for your willingness to leave these pearls of wisdom for us, whether they be people, whether they be scripture, whether they be corporate wisdom coming from the community. Lord, thank you for that because we don't want to live not just unrighteously, but we don't want to live in a stupid way, in a way that, that leads us towards death. Lord, we want to move towards life. So, so might you move us towards life? Might you direct our gaze in the right direction so we can find that wisdom that you have for us? Lord, some of us are going to be knocked off our horses, just like Paul. So knock us off our horses and then give us the time that you gave Paul to learn about that wisdom so we can grow in it. Lord, give us deep discernment, a discernment that knows when something's not quite right and will make a decision away from what's wrong. Lord, we ask these things in your name today. And Lord, we know that you have so much more for us, so much more from our worship, so much more from our community, so much more wisdom that you want to imbue into us so that the world might become much more like you. Let us be your agents and be your people. Let us be the ones who walk out of here not only willing to love well, but know well and do well and be well in you. Lord, thank you for paying attention to us even when we forgot to pay attention to you. Be with us in our praise. Be with us in our families and with our babies, Lord. Be with us through all of it. And may we sing beautiful songs and shout with joy to you. In your name I pray, amen.